The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dave Alex Redette is a prominent cinematographer mostly known for his work at Ardman Animations, where he notably worked as cinematographer with Nick Park on his acclaimed Creature Comfort short and legendary Wallace and Gromit series. During his early years at Ardman, Dave also supplied his camera skills for Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer music video. He was also senior director of photography on Ardman's first feature film, Chicken Run, and director of photography for Wallace and Gromit's first feature film, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. And he's on the line with us here. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm doing well, Toby. How the devil are you? I'm very well, thank you. So how did you first get involved with Ardman in the first place? No, that goes back a long while, quite a way now. Because um, I studied through art college. I went to Leeds. Um, eventually came to Bristol in 1977. Um, which is why I first met Pete and Dave, the creators of um, Ardman Animations. Um, I'd known of them through mutual friends. Um, I used to pop around to see them, see what they're up to. And in those days, they were doing Morph. It's just the two of them and doing the Morph TV series yeah. uh, with Tony Hart. So I'd known them since, um, yeah, since the late late seventies. Um, I did a film course in Bristol, which I finished in 1978. And after that, I was freelancing. And one of the things I was freelancing on was doing some paint and trace for a. Uh, a feature film about the Sex Pistols. Wow. <laughs> uh, part, part of it was being directed by a guy in Bristol, uh, another associate of Pete and Dave. Um, he was doing some, uh, it was draw animation, this, uh, this sequence, um, offered me a bit of work on that. And he said, we've got a bit of space. And Pete and Dave have got a little studio, but two rooms, one where they shot Morph and the other one where they did all their creative writing, etc. Yeah. So I'll give you a bit of space in there. Um, uh, so alongside them working out on Morph and that, um, <laughs> I was painting green vomit, I think, for a scene from <laughs> the Sex Pistols movie where they throw up in, the, in an airport. Wow. Um, so as I was as busy filling in green paint on, on cells, I was chatting to the, to the guys there. So I got to see what they were doing. Um, and I'd always been into animation since I was a kid. I mean, I was doing it at school. I did a lot at art college. So I, I, I had a great empathy for what they, were, what they were doing. And it was quite early days for them. Yeah. But after that, I, I, because I, I was freelancing generally in live action stuff, and then I went on to teach um, and look after the, um, the students at the RFT course in Bristol, where I'd studied. Uh, in the meantime, I was trying to set up my own little studio, partly, uh, well, mainly doing animation because it was the cheapest way of making movies. Um, mm. And a colleague of mine, Dave Borthwick, from, from the RFT course, the um, Bristol Film course, 
we sort of set up on our own, um, eventually nicknaming ourselves the Bolex Brothers. Because <laughs> um, basically we were shooting everything on a Bolex camera. Yeah. At that time, it was a magic camera. You could afford to buy them. It was only 16 mil. It would do stop frame. It would do backwind. It would do all sorts of tricks. And that's a, it was quite a good way to, to, uh, to experiment with movie making. Uh, and meanwhile, I'd kept in touch with um, Pete and Dave from Ardman's. And eventually, when I left working at the um, film unit, uh, so I was branching out on my own, it's about the same time that Pete and Dave at Ardman's were, were starting to do commercial work. And they'd actually started taking on the staff. They had a, a junior, Richard Golazowski, or Golly, and a producer. And that was it, really. And I, I started working alongside them, partly because um, yeah. uh, I had a, a fair degree of knowledge of the film industry and how to use all the equipment, but also because I had a lot of animation. So I fitted in quite nicely there. Yeah. So that was in the mid-80s, working alongside Pete and Dave. And just before, it was just before uh, Nick Park joined them. Wow. So we were contemporaries, really. Yeah. And do you remember what the first projects that you worked on were? The first projects were TV commercials. This is the first time that P- Pete and Dave, uh, as Arden Animations, uh, I'd found a little niche of actually earning money because I don't think doing more for any of those other projects was <laughs> was a way of making a living, really. Yeah. Um, they were quite low-budget uh, projects. Yeah. But um, a lot of commercial people saw what they were doing. They'd, be, they'd done a few little vox pop things where you'd been taking um, people's conversations and animating to them. And this was a precursor of, of Nick Park's Creature Comforts. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in the advertising industry had seen some of these animations, uh, which is quite quite unique at the time. Stop frame animation uh, wasn't that well known, apart from children's television. Hogles, or, or, or the, um, yeah, a lot of the um, BBC um, t- uh, children's TV programmes were stop frame animation, but uh, they're done quite simply. What Pete and Dave uh, were interested in doing, and myself as well, is actually doing something a bit more adult-orientated, um, in as much as not just for children. Um, and I say this caught the eye of the, uh, the commercials agencies, um, and they had quite big budgets to play with. So for the first time, Ardman's were able to make money and then plough that money back into making more and more uh, elaborate short films. And one of those early projects was the music video for Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. How did that process work? Because there's a lot going on there, and from reading up about it, it sounds like it took quite a while. Well, surprisingly, it took very little time to, to make to actually shoot the project. It took a while to do the conception of it. Um, yeah. Again, a guy called Steve Johnson had been asked to do a program for, for Peter Gabriel. He'd done a little bit on a film called Road to, uh, Road to Nowhere for um, Talking Heads, which yeah. had a fair bit of stop frame animation in it. But he was asked to do something in this country. Um, Ardman's just getting just getting known, um, so basically he chose them as being the production company to do it. Now, it was quite it was quite crude to start, really. I mean, um, when I I came into work on it, I mean, basically the script was like some drawings on the back of an envelope, sort of thing. Um, yeah. Quite crazy notions that Steve Johnson, the director, had. Um, some of which were impossible to film, but that's basically it was. It was sort of improvised, and in fact, shooting it it took six days. Um, which is quite long for a music video. I mean, if, yeah. back then, I think a three-day turnover was the norm. But six days in terms of animation is an incredibly short time. Yeah. I mean, we worked really, really hard to get that done. A lot of it was was Pete tied to a chair. Yeah. <laughs> we had to position him in an old um, cinema chair I had with a neck brace on him so we could do unspeakable things to him, like build train sets around his head and paint his face <laughs> and do all sorts of things. 
So the bulk of the shooting was in Arden's small studio in Clifton in Bristol, um, which is all the chair stuff there, um, animated lip sync. So he had to do all that stuff one frame at a time. And yeah, so it's quite time consuming, but um, so about four, four days of that. We then took on the space at the local uh, drama theatre, the uh, local drama department of the university's theatre, uh, to do the bigger scenes and the big dance scenes, uh, where we utilised a lot of these sort of uh, the, the staging. It's like having fly backgrounds that will drop down and raise up again, so we could actually animate the backgrounds. Basically, animating a, a whole you know life-size set around him. Um, but yes, that was after that last the last day on that was a Saturday, maybe going into the Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, so quite intense days, but in fact, six days to actually shoot it was, yeah, it was, it was quite magical. And it was pretty well improvised as well. I mean, even during shooting the shots, because we're having to do them in sort of real time. Um, it's a technical pixelation where you're animating a human being. <laughs> Getting a human being to hold a, a pose for any length of time is difficult enough. So you more or less shooting, so I shoot a frame, then you say, right, move to the next vision, shoot a frame, right, move to the next vision, shoot the next frame. So it was done as a continuous piece of action, a lot of it. Um, but yeah, quite quite strenuous work. Yeah. Do you have to be quite patient when you're working in animation? Because that took six days and that was relatively quick. I mean, everybody, this is the cliche, you have to have a lot of patience. Um, it depends what area you're working in there. I think for the for an animator, I mean, you just lose sense of time, really. You just, you just lock yourself into that time scale and just get on with it. For people yeah. like myself who are actually servicing all that, like lighting it, whatever, um, we basically, what we do is we actually go in at the set, perhaps block it out, light it, um, check that it's all working. If there's any movements, we tend to be done with computers nowadays. We have to set it yeah. all up there. But then once all that is prepped and set up, uh, we leave the animator to it. We lock the door and <laughs> we lock it in a room and walk away and go on to the next set. Uh, <laughs> So the patience doesn't really apply to us so much because we're kept really busy. I mean, the technical team uh, involved in stop frame animation. Yeah. And because it takes so long, uh, we tend to have to work on lots and lots of different sets at the same time. Yeah. So on an average feature film, I probably will have about 30, 35 sets on the go at any, at any yeah. one time. And with that, I need quite a large team to cover that as well. Um, so as soon as I've set one scene up there and the animator's going, I move on to the next one or one of my crew does. Um, yeah. So the technical side of it is, yeah, we're constantly busy. We're constantly moving around. The animators are just locked into that that one shot for however long it takes to do. That's interesting because I suppose in live action, there's only one Tom Cruise, so you can only do one thing at the same time. But I guess, do you have lots of different models of Wallace and Gromit, etc., so you can have those 35 sets? You've got it in one, exactly we do. I mean, I think we got the last project of the last Wallace and Gromit. I'm about to start another one, but um, mm. the last one, we must have had at least 16 Wallaces. Um, wow. Probably more Gromits as well. Even with Gromit, we have like a standing Gromit uh, or a walking yeah. Gromit. Yeah. They tend to have a, a different set of armatures for them there. So, yes, they're, 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 they're also, it's, it's sad to say it. There is, there is no one Wallace and Gromit in, <laughs> here in <laughs> the studio. Um <laughs> There's whole teams of them as well, yeah. The original Wallace and Gromit from all those years ago, is that in a landfill site somewhere? Sadly, um, plasticine, because that's how they were originally, and the original Wallace and Gromit were mostly plasticine, um, doesn't really last more than a shot. If you could imagine, you've sculpted the, the character. I mean, take Moore, for example, who's totally plasticine, has his Gromit, but Gromit has an armature, a metal armature inside, and, and, and Wallace does. But the exterior of them, the plasticine, 
once the animator has gone through a shot, and I say these shots could take a day, a week, sometimes three weeks to do one shot, mm. um, that plasticity is constantly being molded and you know, moved and shifted around. At the end of the shot, you really, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're not in a good state. <laughs> so they either have to go and be rebuilt yeah, or cleaned up. Um, or sometimes completely replaced. Yeah. So, yeah, in effect, the, the original Plasticine characters don't really exist still. I have, in, in my case, I think I've got um, I've got a Plasticine Gromit who I do get out to take for talks and things there, but um, he, he, he can't really bend him around. He's dried out, really. The Plasticine <laughs> is really dried out there. I've got an old Shaun the Sheep as well, and the later puppets are a mixture of plasticine and latex and silicon, as well as having the metal armatures inside them. Uh, even that doesn't really last. The, the later anything latex has got a shelf life of about a year, really, mm. if you keep it hermetically sealed. So actually, keeping original puppets is is not impossible, really. Yeah, and you say puppets. Is that an animation term for just the models? Yes, yeah, we, we, we tend to call them puppets, yeah. And you've got a sitting and standing grommet, etc. Yeah. Do you have different ones for different facial expressions or is that done more kind of in the moment, adjusting it? Still in the moment. I mean, this is why we've kept the plasticine and, and the puppets nowadays. Really, it's just the, the bits that give human expressions, which is basically the face and the hands uh, yeah. tend to be plasticine still. And it's down to the dexterity and the talent of the animators you know, to, to, to bring them to life. One labour-saving thing we do have, though, is for mouth mouth shapes. We actually have those pre-prepared. Yeah. So an assistant animator, uh, a whole team of people, will have prepared a whole set of mouth shapes, say for Wallace, who has got his teeth in there and his little mouth shapes. So all the vowels and consonants, all the major vowels, there's about 12, 16 major shapes. These are all pre-formed. Mm. The animator then really, every time they want to change the mouth shape, they can pull one out of a box, prise the old one off and stick the new one in and then blend it in. And this this is the beauty of the plasticine, is that yeah. even though you've got something pre-shaped, you still can play around with it. You can still get all those subtleties, which Aldman's are quite famous for, really, that sort of character animation. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the labour-saving thing there. But, yeah, the, the faces are completely pliable. In wrong trousers, for example, though, I mean, going back to one of the early Wallace and Gromits, I think Nick um, on set himself manipulated every movement. So the mouth shapes are all done actually on the set um, by Nick by hand. But nowadays we we do try and save time by having the mouth shapes pre-prepared. It's still plasticine. Do you have to be quite prepared when you're going into a shoot as well? You have to know exactly what you want because maybe if you were doing the photography in a live action movie, halfway through the shot you can go, mm, this doesn't look as good as I thought it would, let's change it. Whereas mm. if you did that in animation, that's a whole possibly week or two's work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That you've just thrown out the window. Yeah, everything is really scrupulously scripted and drawn out um, and rehearsed as well. So we'll have a storyboard. It'll start off simple drawings that Nick would have done, but now his team, the whole storyboard team, will prep the drawings and they'll be slightly animated as well to give a sense of timing. And so the whole show can be run together as as a series of slightly animated drawings just to see that it's working. So, So you sort of know where you are and the animator has that as a guide. Mm. The animator then will actually, for each shot, will team up with the director and they'll usually go into what we call the lab, uh, which is a live action video. <laughs> um, and then they will actually act out the scene. Oh. Uh, and you have to remember that uh, all, all the uh, dialogue, et cetera, is pre-recorded. Yeah. You have to do that. All that's done in advance. So that's already been edited like a radio play. So that the director has decided on which take, which, you know, which voice band. And that's a guide to the animator as well. So then the two of them, the director and the animator, will act out the scene. You get some quite humorous um, <laughs> outtakes of them, which you, which you may see on some of them, some of our videos. We, t- we tend to put some of those outtakes in, of, of the live-action videos. Yeah. Um, but they'll act the whole scene out, miming to the dialogue. The director will choose which one he thinks works best. Uh, and that will, be, that will be put on the animator's tower as, as a video for them to look at and as reference. So that's how the animator, even though he's locked in his room for his three weeks or whatever, um, <laughs> has actually got a guide that is, that's been okayed with the director as to what, yeah, as the timing of the shot. Mm. But even within that, I mean, the animator has room to improvise, and that's that's part of the beauty of it. It's not, yeah, basically you've got the basics all down there, the timing's all there. 
but yeah. a lot of little subtleties can, can be added by the by the animator as well, which yeah. I think is very important, keeping some spontaneity to everything. And how does the process differ when you're doing a feature film compared to working on the shorts that were originally made? It's the timing, the precision of it, really. Um, I mean, as a director of photography, I mean, it's 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 my job to try and contain it as a whole. Is that although something is taking place, I mean, we're actually shooting a feature film over a period normally about fourteen months, a year and a half. Yeah. To try and maintain that visual look, that's yeah. I have to contain that all the while, or whoever is director of photography, you have to keep all that in your mind, even though everything's taking such a long, long time. So short films are a lot easier in that respect, but um, uh, feature films also there's a, a high standard of them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay, production values that yeah, which you have to maintain for that period of time. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, it, it is quite different. I mean, when we did uh, Chicken One, it was a, the first one. That was our first experience of doing that whole feature film, and that was a steep learning curve, really. Yeah, and sure. It's a lot more planning. You have to plan ahead of like there's like what colours you're going to be using over that period of time. How yeah. Do you actually um how do you actually keep the audience interested for that amount of time? There's all these things there you ha- you have to prep it so well, really. We 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 I mean some films we, we'd probably spend a year you know, in preparation at least uh, in terms yeah. of design and, and story development and what sort of effects work you're going to have. And when you were working on all these projects, I mean particularly the ones right at the start, did you have any idea how big they would become? No, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it was always ambition is right. Yeah, to make good films first of all. Uh, yeah. I've got an idea of making a feature on that. That would be great. But uh, we never really thought uh, in the early days that that's yeah that's what we would be doing over the next few years. But it, it gradually progressed. Yeah, each time we got more successful, we got you know, more people you know, start to take notice. But um, no, I mean, with the first Wallace and Gromit, um, although we, we all loved what we were doing and we, th- and we all thought it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant project working on. Had no idea what success it would bring, really, what recognition. And the fact that we'd still be actually showing the same film now, that those films would be coming out every Christmas and people would yeah. still, uh, still get that enjoyment from them. And I think that's become something I, I'm so proud of, the, the films I've worked on, is that they do have a good shelf life. Yeah. They're not just one-off films that, yeah... Yeah, uh, they have stood the test of time. They've certainly lasted longer than plasticine, that's for sure. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and some of the uh, some people in government as well. I think they're... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Why do you think they've stood the test of time? What actually is it about them? Oh, it's, it works on many levels, really. I think people recognize. I don't know. They sort of recognize themselves in the characters, particularly yeah. with Nick's characters. They're all about the sort of mundane, taken to real extremes. Um, so people can recognise all the little knickknacks in the house and the domestic sort of yeah scenarios, but throw into that um, Nick's love of genres like horror films or romantic comedies and that they're all in there. There is mm. something for everybody, um, and there's always things to discover as well. I know a lot yeah. of people say, "Well, I watched that film several times, but I didn't notice in the background there's some little yeah. gags that are going on in there." And I think that's a, yeah, feedback from the way we make the films that so everything has to yeah. be made from hand, everything's made from scratch. So we're very careful what we put in the films. Everything there is for a reason, yeah. um, even if it's just for a, a, a good gag. Um, yeah. And they're like little Easter eggs that people keep picking up on. Um, but they're endearing characters, I think, yeah, they, um, particularly Wallace and Gromit. I suppose that's true. If you're spending absolutely ages doing all the shots and things, you're going to have a lot of time to add things yeah. into the background that you don't get otherwise. Yeah, and the other thing about it as well, and I think it's very important to... Uh, to myself and a lot of the crew is that 
you actually sense the craft of making that story, telling that story. Um, you actually do know that it is a model world, but it does exist. You, I mean, yeah. you, it's a physical world. You could put your hand in there, reach in there, and touch, you know, touch the yeah. buildings. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think that's sort of, yeah, that thing, which is something you tend to lose maybe with CG animation, mm. um, et cetera, is, is that that sense of a crafted world that you're invited into. Yeah. And, and you can actually is, appreciate that people have actually sculpted all these or, yeah, and they've, yeah. they've acted through their puppets or whatever. It doesn't look miniature as well when you're watching it, does it? Uh, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> and that's, yeah, again, that's something uh, on the camera side you have to be careful of is always mm. placing the camera within the scene. You're, you're not observing, you're not looking down on, on, a, on a model village. You're, yeah, yeah. you're actually a participant in that world. And that's something we very carefully consider, as you would in live action. But because, yeah, because you're working with a completely controllable uh, world there, you can do anything you like. We have to, yeah, have to maintain that sort of reality that, you know, it's a, it's a little world that you're invited into and you're part of it. And how has the process changed over the years? Because you've got fancier cameras now and widescreen and mm-hmm. all of that. Do you have to do things a little bit differently? There's a lot of there's a lot of things that have changed to make it easier for us. I mean, from the days of the early films, we were shooting on 35 millimeter film, which meant we had enormous cameras. I mean, compared to the size of the puppets, it's like trying to film a human being with a lorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the cameras are much larger than the puppets. Um, so that used to be a problem getting them into the scene, etc. But yeah, actually, how you place a camera in there. Nowadays, we're working with. Um, Domestic uh, DCLS, uh, well, off-the-shelf stills cameras. Um, So they're a lot smaller, um, a lot easier to get into the scene, a lot easier to move around. Um, We use a lot of computer stuff for motion control for camera movements. Everything has to be repeated these days exactly. So we're very much reliant on on the modern technology, um, which in the early days, I mean, sometimes we just had the camera on a piece of wood and we'd just move it around frame by frame, all sorts of things we did that... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you you couldn't quite get away with now because everything has to be so precise and repeatable. But mm. and also things like rigging. I mean, on the early films, uh, there was no rigging to hold the puppets up. What what you saw on say wrong trousers, everything you saw there was what was in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, these days, to make things quicker and more versatile, the, the puppets are held up with with uh, rigs, which are digitally removed later. So it's easy to fly characters around and do much more subtle movements. Um, and all the camera moves are controlled by computers, as I said, so we can repeat them for effects work, to add smoke and all sorts of things. But um, there's a greater purity in the early films, which I think still, yeah, still hold, they still hold, hold up extremely well. But nowadays, there's a lot more technology. But of course, with technology, which is supposed to save time, it actually makes the process a bit more complicated and a bit more yeah. long-winded. Uh, it does mean you can do more things with the, with the characters, certainly in terms of special effects, but... Um, Personally, I'm a purist. I try. Yeah. I'd love to keep things as simple as as you can. And keep. Yeah, I'd like to do everything in camera, as we say. But like, you know, what yeah. what you see is what's happening in front of the camera. That's the thing. How far do you go with the special effects? Because I'm guessing you wouldn't want to go the whole way and have it all CGI, because that nope. destroys the whole point. Absolutely. <laughs> so how much do you use? On something like Wallace and Gromit, I said try more more so than other films. Is keep it. Yeah, keep it as simple and keep it. Yeah, keep it down to the puppets doing their their thing. And in fact, all the effects work in Wallace and Gromit's world are usually special effects that are performed by the animator, like pouring of water or like pouring tea is actually just like cellophane, dyed cellophane, actually animated coming out of the teapot into the cup. 
and the cup is, yeah, the, the liquid in the, the cup is plasticine. Whereas a lot of films these days, I mean, even stop frame films, they will use a lot of CGI, computer generated effects. But I do believe that something like Wallace and Gromit, that, that, that level of sophistication doesn't really fit into their world, into the look of it. Yeah. Whereas like handmade water effects or fire or smoke effects, when you can do them, uh, are actually much more in uh, in harmony with the with the look of a Wallace and Gromit film. Yeah, uh, but quite 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 a lot of our other films in there, we you know, we, we are using um, CGI characters to fill in the background or to for set extensions. Yeah. Um, again, you have to think about the aesthetic of the particular film of you know what it is. Um, uh, if, if they're all new characters, you can take them in a different direction. But I think Wallace and Gromit is, is a special world, certainly for me uh, yeah, and the regular crew. We try to keep it as true to its original form. Yeah. Now, what's coming up for you? Of course, you're probably not allowed to talk about this very much, but nope. there are a couple of movies on the way. Absolutely. Well, I've just been working on, not as director of photography, I've been working as a what we call a senior lighting cameraman, so I've been in charge of certain scenes, and, and that's the Chicken Run 2. Yeah. Uh, which has been great fun. It's still shooting now, and it'll be shooting until next year. Uh, and I think that's due out uh, Christmas time next year. Mm. So the sit yeah, finally, yes. <laughs> after over 20 years, we've well, got hey. the sequel to Chicken Run. Um, so it's Ch- uh, Chicken Run 2, um, Dawn of the Nugget, I think it's going to be oh. called, uh, which is incredibly uh, incredible to look at. It's, um, it's still got the old characters. Um, yeah. uh, it's got some great gags in it. It's a beautiful script. Um, there's a new director, Sam Fell, has been, has been directing it. Um, and I say that's due to stop f- filming early next year. Um, however, in the meantime, because I jumped ship on, on Chicken Run, I'm, I'm now mm. working on the new Wallace and Gromit feature film. Um, I'm in the preparation stage at the minute. I think we'll start filming in dead earnest uh, in January. And that's due out, all, I think, Christmas... 24 seems quite a way away yeah <laughs> but in terms of what we have to do it's not it's not that long so that i'm very much looking forward to getting yeah to getting into um uh, into the, the major filming there but at the moment it, it's in um development stage there so we're testing out sort of new characters new mouth shapes and uh, color schemes whatever uh yeah it's a wonderful script, absolutely wonderful script. I can't tell anything else apart from that. Um, <laughs> people who love Wallace and Gromit will not be disappointed. Yay, that's good to hear. In the meantime, where can we keep up to date with you? Is there anywhere online? Uh, I have a website, um, which uh, is called davealexredep.com. Wow, what a surprise. Very unimaginative or something. Um, yeah, I've got, um, yeah, I've got clips from some of the major films I've, uh, I've done, as well as some of my very early stuff. Because I, I do a lot of um, talks and, and a bit of teaching. Mm. Um, I've got bits and pieces. You may think, well, why, why have you got that old rubbish on there? But um, <laughs> it's it's all of interest, I think, to people who are starting out. Is that, yeah, old, old films, new films, there's a, there's a mixture on there. So, so please have a look. Um, and I've put a few behind-the-scenes uh, films on there as well. So, for example, there's some from uh, um, the Wallace and Gromit film, Matter of Loaf and Death. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time when we're filming, but I do try and grab a camera every now and then and, and just get some shots of people at work, just, just to de- demystify the process a little bit, just to show people what actually happens behind the scenes. And there's a bit yeah. from one of the Shaun, Shaun the Sheep um, movies as well. I think I've seen like some old DVD extras along the way they have things like that aren't there yeah yeah i think the, the stuff that's on my website tends to be you know uh, more sort of personally shot yeah. stuff so it's, some of it's a bit rough and ready but um 
there's a few comments from me as to yeah, as what was going on in some of the sequences. Well, many thanks for joining us today. It's been very interesting to talk to you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I hope I haven't waffled on too much. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Throbbing Post of Sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.